everyone, welcome back to Two Rivers Tabak Book Club. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm joined by my co-host, Josh. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> We're talking about Fairy Tale, Stephen King's banger from 2022. Let's go. Um... It's really good. I mean, we're about to get into it. We we just read chapters, what was it, 9 through 15? Did I get that correct? Yep. Okay. Cool. I think so, yeah. Yep, 9 through 15. Um, just as a disclaimer before we start here, we do talk about spoilers, so here's your spoiler alert. Alert, alert. Spoilers. Yes, spoilers. Um, we also don't talk about every single thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of detail, especially in this section. We're not necessarily going to go through every single detail. But if we do miss something and, you know, you want us to talk about it, feel free to just let us know and we certainly can try to fit it into the next episode. But that's your other warning. We don't talk about everything. We just talk about what we think is interesting. Yep. No more <clears throat> warnings now. <laughs> All bets are off. All bets are off. Okay. So first note I have here, um, obviously in the previous episode, we talked about how Howard dying was really going to signal at least to me the next section like the next crescendo in this series or in this book um and it's almost like now that i'm like looking at these notes as a whole we're coming off of a big fantasy series a long one and it's kind of refreshing to be reading like just a one-off book like this because a ton of stuff happens really quickly you know like in a longer series, it takes a while for some of these things to unfold. There's more detail, which in its own way is really fun as well. But it's kind of nice to have a one-off book like this where it's like, bang, 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 you know, yeah. as far as things happening. Um, so obviously, like I said, Howard dies and then leaves Charlie the house. And then we have an awesome section here. And correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, obviously Howard leaves the tape and they read it. But I'm pretty sure it's Stephen King who reads it. Oh, it's definitely Stephen Yeah, King. but he, like, like, I don't know if he's just really old now, because obviously he's really old. Or if he's just trying to read it in, like, a raspy coffee voice. Obviously, like, the coughing is probably a little bit simulated. But he does a really good job, to be honest. Yeah, he does. I mean, he is an old-ass man, so, yeah. I mean... <laughs> Yeah. At this point, 2022, yeah, I mean, he's he's pretty old now. Um, so I thought it was really uh, clever and fun that he read it. And obviously, we're talking about the audiobook version if you're reading, you know, the written page, um, like a true scholar. Mm. Oh, yeah. You wouldn't get to hear Stephen King's beautiful, raspy voice. But it was a lot of fun uh, when, you know, they, they cut to the tape and it was Stephen King's voice. And they even put, like, you know, static in the background to make it sound yeah. like it's a, a real tape it was it was really cool it was really it's like cool. what you can do with audiobooks is 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 fun like stuff like that but yeah yeah that's what i i know this is this isn't like off topic or anything but like that's like when they do stuff like this in the audiobooks like it's like i feel like this is this is what the audiobooks have over just reading the books like they can really dramatize it because like in dune the audiobook does like the same thing it has like different voice actors for characters and it's it's very entertaining and even like the the bible audiobook is very dramatic and like orchestraic and so it's like like keep your attention so it's just kind of like with audiobooks like this like i love that they could do this and they they put the effort in to make it more entertaining like how for like 
the Dark Tower series, they have like an old man kind of reading it because like Roland's the main character and he's old as fuck. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it it's it, it comes off like, OK, this is like authentic. And but then in this book is written by kind of like a young adult talking about his teenager years. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. they got like a younger guy to do it. And then, you know, so it's like the whole experience with the audiobook is great because you, you can really get immersed into it because if if they had like some real old dude like read all the teenager stuff like because this book's like written like first person so like the young adult who's in his like 20s or so i think i can't really remember but yeah he's in yeah i, I get yeah you're right because he's in his 20s talking about how when he was uh 17 yeah so if they got like someone who sounds like they're in their 60s <laughs> or, or something then it would completely take me out of the audiobook and you know if and you know i think that's fine if they did i just like how they put in the extra effort to make it like more of an experience so you're getting more more for your more uh was it more for your buck or whatever yeah bang for your buck bang for your buck yeah that's that's yes sir yeah the next uh uh, or no go ahead well what i was gonna say is about this whole this whole section uh in the earlier sections, like when we talked about Howard had like a roommate and said, and he told Charlie, he's like, Oh, that guy he has ticker problems, but I don't have to, I, I don't have to worry about that. And of course he dies of a heart attack. Yeah. Almost, like, good point. Like, That's a good callback. All, yes. <laughs> right? He has all these problems yet. Uh, he, the heart attack is what gets him. And it's almost like it's, like if you know Stephen King, like you read a lot of his books, then you could probably have, you could probably have called that. But if this is like your first time reading a Stephen King book, then you're probably like, oh, so I wonder what's going to get him the cancer, old age, like what's going to get him. Uh, but I feel like like I kind of yeah, I like assumed it wasn't going to be any of the problems stated is why he was going to die. So it's like, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. But what did you, what did you think about his death scene? I guess. Yeah. Um, I thought it was, I know we, uh, talked about it. Obviously. Yeah. It's a first person perspective. The audiobook is done super well. You have a young person and then the tape. I just love the tape, man. It was, it gripped me. Like I've been, Obviously, like, we read a lot of good books. We've read a lot of, even just in the short span that we've had this book club, we've read a lot of good books. But, like, man, this is one of those moments where I was just so gripped. Because you want to know, like, what's in the shed, right? Yeah. You want to know what's in the shed. You want to know why Howard is so weird and, like, mysterious and stuff and why he has all this fucking gold. So, not only was the tape done super well, and, of course, Stephen King's voice is is going to, like, you know get me sucked into it but like i was just gripped by every word in the tape so i thought it was done really well where like it's kind of a clever way because you could just have howard say it right he he made it like more suspenseful right because you could just have howard sit sit charlie down and tell him all this shit and then he just dies right later like, yeah the next day or something but instead you have it more dramatic where like you know he dies and then you have this awesome rendition of the tape that like puts you on the edge of your seat because you're like just fucking read the tape yeah and you know 
when when you hear how how he talks over the tape, like he talks to Charlie like they're like old buddies and everything, and yeah. it's like, but then when they're in person, like they it's it's like it's one of those relationships that you just kind of have to like it's hard to explain, but you can just feel it to where yeah. they have a really close relationship, but they're but they're a little distant in their communication because they both feel it, but they're not going to like say it or like express it that, that much, you know? So, uh, so like in the audio tape, I got the, like, that's like underneath the surface. This is how their relationship truly, truly was, you know? And it's like, we're, we're shown that. I, I don't know if you, if you understand what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I get what you mean because, like, the tone of the tape is very friendly, right? Um, yeah. In comparison to most of their interactions, like, you know that they're both like really good friends at this point, like, care for each other a lot. But it really comes out in this tape when, like, his last moments, he's being, you know, super friendly. Yeah. So I thought that was that was interesting because and kind of treating him like an equal yeah. at that point. Yeah. Because, so. like, it's because a lot of the jobs, like, I've worked at, even though, like, the one I work at now, I have, like, a older, older friend who's, like, he's, like, either as old as my dad or older. And so, but he's, like, a friend. So, it's, like, you get, so that's kind of, like, how I see this relationship. And it's, like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's a, it just, Almost it just like a, makes sense. Like, a friend and also a mentor, because, obviously, they know. Howard knows more than oh. him because he's way older. I wouldn't say my friend's more of a mentor. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I suppose it depends. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's funny, but uh, yeah, I think well, I think it was done pretty good. It would have been really boring, I guess, if it would have just been all right, Charlie. Let me just tell you everything uh, about this fucking hole. Yeah, I was telling yeah. to tell you everything. Because now, now, right? Because now we get to experience everything as Charlie explores. You know. Yes, that too. That part was really good too. And obviously, the next innovation of the audiobook is going to be uh, smell. So that way, like when Charlie goes in there, we can smell the rotting cockroach and. Right. So oh, I, I, I know in uh, one of the past videos, I was saying that one of those uh, that the noise coming from the shed was obviously like a teleporter like yeah like a thinny yo that was yeah, a really yeah i mean that was pretty apt at the time yeah honestly looks like looks like i was wrong it wasn't it wasn't the thinny yeah it was a a fucking bug a fucking bug and in true like fairy tale fashion it's just like a hole with a long staircase to another world right it's like i don't i don't know man it's it's an awesome book because I mean, obviously Stephen King is a really good writer, um, but like naming it fairy tale and then like going off of that theme, but being also able to put his own flair into it, you know, 
it's just a, I don't know, it's just a good book. I'm like sucking Stephen King's dick at this point, but it's like, <laughs> it's curved like a cemetery. Because it's like, I think we're coming, and again, we're coming off of a long fantasy series that has a lot of different themes and a lot of different characters and a lot going on. It's kind of nice to just like read a book where it's just a fairy tale. Like it's got a yeah. fairy tale theme and then it's got a little bit of dark, you know, themes in it because it's Stephen King, but it, overall it's just kind of like a fairy tale and it's fun. You know, it's just like yeah. a fun read. So I like how he's pretty much writing like a like a grim fairy tale. Yes, right, uh, and they re- but, he references that obviously. Yeah, of course. but it's definitely gonna have a ha- like it's gonna have a happier ending than probably than a grim fairy tale. I would think so. I would think. Yeah, because you lot, never know. You never know. Well, I mean, he is old now, it, so yeah. Well, I mean, Charlie, even at the beginning of the book, sounds pretty optimistic about, like, when he's, like, an adult, mm-hmm. and he's like, this actually happened to me. Good point. And it's like, yeah. I, I couldn't imagine it having a bad ending. And, you know, not everything Stephen King writes has a bad ending, like Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Well, well I haven't read the book, so. I'm pretty sure but it's the movie pretty similar, but, good, yeah, from what I've heard. Yeah. Or, like, it, it has a yeah, pretty good ending. it's a pretty good ending. Yeah, pretty happy ending. So, or the body. Well, I guess the body. It depends. Uh, Stand by me. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to spoil. The, we'll wait till spoiler signs at, at the end of the video before I just talk about shit like that. But yeah. But anyway, <clears throat> it's like I don't see this being a uh, having a bad a sad ending. You know. Yeah, definitely. I'm interested to see. Like, I mean, I guess we'll talk about the end of this section. I'll I'll save it for then. But. It's a, it's an interesting parallel because it's like it's a really cool thing to have this staircase whole thing that goes to another world full of different shit and then also being able to like rewind your life. That's pretty impressive, but at the same time, you know, Stephen King always has his realistic take where it's like and obviously Howard talks about it, but it's like if, if people actually found out this thing existed, it would be absolutely ravaged and mined for all its resources. Oh, so yeah. it's equally it's equally really cool, but also like Howard said, a burden. So I'm interested to see like what after his adventure in there, what happens to it and like what he does with it. But Yeah, because why would he write a story about it and then release it? Exactly. So it makes you think like, you know, um, he he does something like I don't know what's gonna happen in the end. Maybe the whole world yeah. blows up, or like he covers up the hole and hides it, or like whatever. I, I don't know. Hey, like the way to get to it gets destroyed. Yeah, or so that. No one right. Can ever get to it ever again. Mm-hmm. Like he's running out of there, and the flight killer is coming after him, and they have to like you know seal it or whatever. Yeah. So I'm starting to get the feeling that this book is just a mixture of like a modern fairy tale and a grim fairy tale because it's gonna have the darker stuff from the grim side mm-hmm. but is ultimately going to be uh uh happy at the end like like modern fairy tales yes but uh but i wonder what the moral of this story is going to be cuz like the uh so like the grim grim fairy tales always have like a moral right that yeah. comes from it that's why it's so dark cuz it's like do this or die. <laughs> yeah, know? it's very uh, intense, but it has a uh, a message. <laughs> yeah. So, but and a lot of modern fairy tales are very fluffy. 
and uh, don't really have much to it. It's you know, so it's like uh, we're like butcher. They're butchering of the originals, but they're like, I guess they're just trying to be happy, like be more on the fun side of life rather than always having to be serious. So it's like having yeah. a mixture of of both of that. I'm kind of just starting to think what is what is Stephen King trying to tell us? What is the moral of the story? Is it that life is precious? And that sac- you sh- or and that no matter what your disability is, uh, you should still live on. The moral is or that if you're live. a giga chad, everything works out. Dude, right? <laughs> Talk about freaking goose girl. You know oh what I'm saying? Oh my god, let's go, dude. Can, goose girl, can, no fucking she, mouth. No bro, mouth. she can she can choke a my goose. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I hated the scene when she stuck her fingernail in her like mouthful that like gave me the I don't know why it gave me the creeps oh. like I've read <laughs> I've read a lot of this shit now like we we read a decent amount where it's like kind of gross or whatever and none of it has really like bothered me that much I don't know why that bothered me I just it just did I don't know it's just uh, disgusting it, uh, it didn't really like after so after oh yeah, I'm not gonna spoil the exact thing that happens in the dark dark tower. Right, but it was like it, the scene was like a gross kind of like the guy was eating another person's uh like pus from their oh yeah temple or whatever like that got that to me gross. like that was disgusting yeah. I was like like and even just talking about it I'm just like uh so it's like after going from like that to this I'm like you know what this is far superior and I That's can handle. Fair. It's not as gross <laughs> as, the other, as, the, as the other thing. So I was just like, uh, so it's fine. So I had, uh, what, what do you think about having Charlie literally write in the, because he's like writing this first person. He literally yeah. just uh, talked about the goose girl's tits. Yeah. He's, you like, know, yeah we, they're gr-. he's like, well, they're great. And I don't care. We literally <laughs> talked about it last week. We're like, this guy's a giga chat. He's like six four, two twenty, plays two sports, lettered in both sports. It's like, how's this guy not hanging out with more women? And then we got a little bit more of it, right? Where he talks about in this section, like this girl he was, you know, probably hooking up with. And then now he, yeah, yeah he talks about the goose girl and like how attractive she is. He talks about her breasts and stuff. And it's like, okay. Now it's, it's yeah. becoming a little more realistic, but it's still well. And it's funny because, like, you know, now now that we're kind of jumping into that, I'll just talk, you know, briefly about. Um, obviously, one of the, I don't know what he is. I get, I just think of because he describes him kind of like it. He, I just think of like Rumpelstiltskin, you know, like a little person who's like evil. Yeah. Um. Obviously, holds him at gunpoint and stuff. And then there's that section when he's overpowering him where he's like oh up until this point you must have think you must have thought i'm like this great guy i don't do anything bad i'm like i'm such a cool guy i'm six four you know i'm a i'm a chad and then he like breaks his wrist and i'm like honestly i still think you're a chad <laughs> like that wasn't dark enough i thought we were gonna go really dark all of a sudden yeah. i thought i thought we were like oh god he's gonna like yeah i thought he was either gonna shoot him in that moment and that would like be a twist right it's like obviously the usual thing is like oh the hero lets him go 
and then Rumpelstiltskin comes back later to stab him in the back or something, you know. Yeah. I thought he was just going to shoot him or, like, torture him and then kill him or something, but no, he just breaks his wrist. So I was like... Yeah. I mean... That would have... Yeah. That, that's what also kind of makes it a fairy tale. Yes, kinda, very like, much adding so. adding to the theme. Like, this, like this character Stephen King has made, right? It, it's probably the most... Like, Charlie is the most stereotypical, like, hero. Yes. But with more flaws or get given but it seems like most of his flaws are just things he's done in the past which we've all done things right. in the past that we didn't like but it's not like we, he we killed moved, anyone or anything yeah. i mean he did some some well i think the worst thing they did was the the fake bomb call yeah that's pretty bad but uh that's really bad but uh mm. but it's like you it was like so long ago and he's obviously already felt bad for it and he's pretty good dude so he's like done enough to where it's like that's not you anymore like that like you might you might have been like that in the past but that's not who you are now and that was such a long time ago that i feel like he just hasn't forgiven himself so he's still so i guess that's his his flaw right now is he he tries to help so much because he feels like he he can't escape the bad things he's done. So he like he has a hard time forgiving himself. So he overcompensates by acting like a v- super nice person and doing everything that's right because he feels like that's the only way to make amends for what yeah. he's done. But but the thing is, with that mindset, it'll never be good enough. So no matter what he does he will never forgive himself. So it's like the first step is to just forgive yourself. Right. And that's you know, probably what gonna we're going to get yeah. like farther on in this journey for sure. I um, yeah. I'm still, I, and I know we talked about this last time and obviously it's a fairy tale. So like it really fits that theme with this character, especially this protagonist type character um, that we've talked about, but yeah, it's just hard. It's hard for me to relate to him. Obviously, because I'm not a 6'4", 220 giga chad, but <laughs> who's good at sports and also really smart. Um, so... <laughs> I mean, you're smart. You have a big boy job. I'm a big boy. I'm, but I'm not, uh, I'm not, you know, uh, you were an 6'4", AP. you know, fucking, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, it just seems like he's good at everything, honestly. Even with this like wrist break thing, it just didn't really didn't help me. Like when you know when you play a video game, like play an RPG where you create your own character, yeah. And like when the character pops up on the screen, you know, like the gen- generic looking RPG character. That's kind of what I'm imagining when I think of Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, yeah. like That's you like, change yeah. nothing, and then the class you pick, you pick like warrior class. <laughs> and yeah, like it's and you're a human race. Yeah, it's just that kind of energy. Yeah. But I'm I'm liking more like you said, there's a little bit more layers now. Obviously the alcoholism stuff with his dad, and then now like you said, he's having trouble like forgiving himself. So he feels like he almost has to go on. And I love and obviously I love dogs, obviously. So I do like that like really the only reason he's there is to help the dog. Right? Yeah. I mean he doesn't really need to be there. Um, but he cares about the dog so much that yeah, he so, wants to, you know, 
make her younger, which I don't know if that's gonna, you know, obviously that's probably gonna come with a cost, which is, like, fascinating to me, like, how Stephen King's gonna, like, whip this up, because obviously, yeah. maybe that's gonna be part of the lesson, too, is, like, you just need to let things die, um, you know, you just need to let things move on, because I imagine there's gonna be some kind of prize for using the sundial. Yeah. Well, that that brings in more more things that I kind of want to talk about now, but, yeah. like, Real, real quick, I want to go back to Charlie as a, as a as a character in general. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you're having a hard time relating to him, and, and me too, is because he's basically already gone through all that character development off screen. Like he has a few more things to work out, but he kind of like glossed over like I was a bad kid, and then I wasn't, and got you know. So it's like, and then now we're slowly getting we're slowly learning more about the bad stuff he did, but because the majority of the book, he's basically past that. There's really not much room for him to grow because he's already almost perfect morally that there's nothing for nothing. That's a real challenge. I mean, we do get stuff like in this where he's like, I almost went back and, and said, oh, I'll just come back another time with Radar. And then he's like, and then he was like, until, but he's like, I know if I if I go back, I'm just going to push it off until she dies. But it's like, everyone would have thoughts like that, but he still decided not to do that. So it's like, with his actions and what he's doing, it's like, he's already morally superior than everyone else, that there's not much room for him to grow and i think that's why we have a hard time relating to him is because we didn't really go through that journey with him that's a really really good point that's a really way that's a really good way to explain and i think that's exactly why it's tough to relate to him and even like even the alcoholism stuff that's supposed to kind of you know, create more depth with his character and, like, have a big mo. And obviously they talked about it, and obviously he, he talked about it, and it was a, a fairly, you know, detailed section in, in the last part we read, but it's still kind of glossed over, like you said. We weren't really, like, there for it, you know? Yeah, and he was still, a, like, pretty much a good kid during those Yeah, times, even, even from... then he was, yeah, like, not that bad. So. Like, he did a, f- a few things, right. but it's, like... And, and and unless we get more info about something truly heinous, because mm. I mean the bomb threat is like that is, but there's still like little kids like during, and that's a hard time growing up. And everything he's done to like make up, I think he's made up for all of that stuff already. Absolutely, consider, considering what he's done already. So it's just he's such a a nice person. Even that's why I'm like okay. So the only thing really relatable to him is if you still haven't like forgiven yourself for past right. uh for past things you've done so it's like okay so he still has some flaws uh so it's like i can i can relate to that but 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 i've already kind of learned that lesson already of like forgiveness with how all that works so it's kind of like I can relate to that, but it's do- it doesn't for for me at least reading this book it doesn't fully move me 
because we didn't go through the like we went through the events but not like other king books or like series where it's like heavily detailed and takes a long time like like in the stand obviously no spoilers but like the first part of the stand because it's split into three parts is the longest and i got the extended edition like the root re- one the new one so part one is so long and so detailed that you go through so much shit with all these characters that it's like holy shit like you're so attached to them but since this is like a kind of like a one-off short story type thing i don't know if we're supposed to get really attached to charlie i think we're mostly supposed to get attached to radar yes and that's that's another point i was about to to bring up um and i think everything you said there is pretty pretty accurate because like it's all and and of course this is a fairy tale angle right so like the whole theme is like you said it's kind of half grim fairy tale half like you know typical disney fairy tale um but like it almost seems like yeah the charlie while he's an interesting character because he's going through this cool journey his character himself is not necessarily that revolutionary but the focus on radar is a little different and it kind of and it almost seems like we're we're supposed to care more about that and i like you know i'm not like and i'm not trying to say this is like a big you know showstopper for me or anything like that i I think even (laughs) if charlie even if charlie doesn't really change throughout this entire book um if he kind of just stays the same and we don't really you know have any major changes or anything like that or major lessons with charlie i think it's fine just because like Again, it's kind of a fairy tale angle, and the yeah. focus is more again on radar and also just like the world, right? The the fairy tale world and like the comparisons between, you know, grim fairy tales and, and normal fairy tales and like how Stephen King can create this world. So like, it's not a big deal, you know. Yeah, he doesn't have to be insanely relatable for me to enjoy every other aspect of this book, yeah. which I have so far. So and sorry. No, that's it. Yeah. Oh. So saying there's like in this one section we just read, there's just so many things to unpack mm-hmm. that like so like one of the first things uh, I I want to talk about. So like like I said, like the main focus is radar. So beginning of the book starts off with the goddamn bridge. He can't even start the story without mentioning his mother's death that he could do nothing about. He couldn't save her, couldn't help her nothing and he loved his mom now he loves this dog and he actually has a chance to save her Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so with like comparing the death of his mom to the dog loves both couldn't help his mom but can help the dog so uh, i wonder if because obviously I, i so i haven't lost a parent but Uh, I know like my grandparents have died and I've talked to my parents about how it feels. And like, I had a recent grandpa who just passed. So I was talking to my mom about like, how does it feel? Cause I don't know how it, how it feels. And I know, uh, you know, you as well, but like, it's when I would talk to them, they would just say like, it gets, you just go day by day and uh, it gets time eventually like, heals all wounds i guess 
like you never like completely like i don't want to say you don't they don't they haven't like gotten over it because my mom's is still pretty fresh but my dad's was like when his parents died i was in like middle school middle school i think anyway like he tell you tells me like yeah he misses him but it gets better every day or something like that so it's just like i don't know if it's gonna play big in with charlie or or not seeing how he can save his mom but he can but he has a chance to save radar and i wonder what the price will be for that and how how it's all going to come into play you know yeah no absolutely and i think that is exactly why um he's going through all this stuff so that's a really good comparison you know obviously the the child trauma of losing a parent and then he's kind of projecting that energy onto radar where like you said now he has an opportunity to save her by making her younger on this on this sundial so yeah he's doing all this stuff because part of it is radar obviously loves radar part of it is like un unresolved feelings from the mother <clears throat> for sure so mm-hmm. i'm i'm definitely interested to see as well what what's going to happen but but he also adds on he he tacks on another thing obviously after meeting the goose girl yeah um <laughs> who is the hottest girl in the world apparently Obvi- obviously no I mouth for but... no lip mouth yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no he kind of tacks on another goal of like helping her right um and trying to help help the world in general right but yeah. especially help her um with with her issue and obviously we find out later when he talks to the uncle that each one of the royal family has like lost one of their senses um yeah so um, isn't yeah go ahead. oh sorry i don't know if you were still uh, yeah. so like so far it's like everyone we've met has either been cursed with the gray uh or they've been cursed by losing some sort of sense so I'm trying to piece together what the significance of this is to where uh, they got cursed somehow. And I don't, we still don't know exactly how, but it pretty much probably has something to do with the sundial or at least with the power of the, this evil guy, which I can't remember his name because I don't think they've said it often. Yeah. They only said it once. I think the uncle and it was a flight killer. Yeah, flight killer. So it's I do find it very interesting of the way Stephen King is making this fairy tale land seem unique and 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 interesting because it seems like most main like all the main uh people that Charlie has to talk to has to communicate in a different kind of way. So like right. uh the first person the uh the shoe shoe lady uh she obviously can't speak so she has to use some words she knows or some symbols with her hands or jump around make noises like that that sort of thing and then the goose girl doesn't have a mouth so she's a ventriloquist she uses the horse and then like the third guy can't see so but so he communicates but he can still communicate through just talking normally but then when it comes to like words, he has to use 
that like uh what do they call it it's like the book with for oh, blind braille yeah, braille yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so so and and stephen king's making a huge emphasis on language and and how and how it's utilized because they even had a, a certain part in here where charlie was talking about how he's saying words that he normally wouldn't say but he doesn't know why he's saying it this right. way and he doesn't know why he can't say certain words but it's almost like an old school kind of modernized uh fairy if a modernized fairy tale was written this is kind of what it would sound like so it's uh I, i'm wondering what the emphasis on language is and i'm interesting to see where that goes if if it goes anywhere or if it's just uh, just a unique writing style to keep it the story interesting or if there's going to be a point to it yeah that's a good point maybe the flight killer has, has uh, something to do with the way you know language is is utilized in the world or maybe he has some kind of control over that or something but yeah no, that's a good point what do you think about um we have another kind of Rumpelstiltskin type dwarf yeah. <laughs> dude who doesn't I guess doesn't isn't the same one because he doesn't seem to know him but he's just like stabbing a large cricket and this is this is when we go back to like Stephen King where it's like all right yeah we're reading a Stephen King book just... yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah right uh Oh, so you're asking me what I, what I think about that whole situation? Yeah. So if I was Charlie, okay, so I'm Charlie, right? I got this old dog I'm trying to save the life of. No one's really giving me too much information on anything, so I barely know anything. I'm just trying to get to the sundial, uh, and I already know it's going to be dangerous. And 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 so and I have to take care of of a dog that I that I love and I'm trying to save. So I got and I'm in a foreign land, you know, and it's, you know, so it's like. Okay, so my goal is to get to the sundial and save radar, and then you know that's the goal. So you you're walking down the path, right? And you see this fucking lunatic stabbing a giant cricket. Uh, you know, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna just leave him alone. Fuck it. Like, like, you know, it's like I got. You know I got what? I got other shit to, to do, about. man. Yeah, I got. I got more important things, it's, and it's like so. So I'm like Charlie. Like I, this is where I'm just kind of like, yeah, you're you're such a good guy that you're so stupid. Yeah, like, he's very gullible. It, like yeah. I get, I get that. Like I guess if you cherish life so much that you feel bad for this cricket, and like yeah, I would probably feel a little bad too. But uh, at the end of the day, it's a fucking cricket, and <laughs> that's a lunatic with a knife. And so you're really you have all this shit to do and you know, it's a dangerous land and you're going to go out there and make more enemies for yourself. I'm like, you're literally just, and then you, he doesn't even kill him, which I'm not saying I know, you right? just kill people, but you literally go up to this dude, little midget guy and you, you call him names. You, you make fun of him. Then you shoot a bullet near him. And it's like, and the, and it, and then you just let him leave with his knife. You think that guy is like that guy was crazy, dude. He was nuts. He was talking yeah. he was like, he, like that guy's gonna fucking try to kill you. <laughs> and so, in my in my opinion, I'm like that just comes with uh, a, a here what my sister calls 
a hero complex right where it's like yeah. he i feel i feel like this has again to do with because he sees himself as such a bad person that in order to make up for what he's done he just tries to be as good as possible so he sees this happening and it's almost like an instinct to where he's not even thinking about it of like why he's trying to protect this cricket but it's because he can't forgive himself for what he's done so he tries to be as heroic as possible but i think it's all subconscious like i don't think he's like aware of this issue that he has so he just goes up to a random lunatic uh, i'm telling you i wouldn't have done it i would have just said okay well that cricket's fucked Fucking cricket. i'm gonna go save this dog i got more important shit to do so yeah. instead of making enemies he's, more enemies you know he's definitely gullible and definitely young obviously you know the youth kind of shows with that too i was a little frightened by the scene to be honest because it kind of felt like it was foreshadowing this Rumpelstiltskin guy getting a hold of Radar later, just because you have a helpless cricket that can't get away, and he's just stabbing it slowly. And then um, Charlie mentions that, you know, oh, you know, Radar in her prime, if this Rumpelstiltskin guy tried to do that to her, she would fuck him up, but, like, she's not in her prime anymore. And it just kind of is a side thought in that scene but to me it signaled it's like oh it's like stephen king gonna have one of these dwarf dudes get a hold of radar before he can get to the sundial or something and they're gonna fuck radar up for a little bit and he's gonna have to save her similar similar to what he had to do with this cricket um but i don't know i guess we'll see but yeah and there's a lot I, of enemies in this. Yeah, he's made a lot of enemies, man. Already two Rumpelstiltskin guys, like you yeah. said. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then fucking these wolf things, the wolf things. And then there's also the, the, the night soldiers. There's a lot of different fantasy, you know, beasts. Yeah, there's Probably. a lot a lot going on. Yeah. And I uh, just lost my train of thought. If it comes back to me, I'll... <laughs> I'll mention it. Oh yeah, okay, I remember now. So yeah, what what you said about naivety is is true because it's like you it's like let's say you're traveling with a baby and it's just you and that baby and then you're walking down the street and you see this other guy this guy like the kind of vi violent guy just beating the shit out of like a dog or something, right? And he's, and yeah, it's like you want to save you. You would want to save the dog, but you have this baby with you, you know. And this, and that guy is fucking crazy. And it's like you want to save the dog, so you'd probably just call the police or something. But let's just say you don't have your phone on you, you can't call the police, and no one's around to notice this guy beating up the dog. Are you gonna go confront that guy to stop beating up the dog? But you have like a. a baby that you're holding uh, that you need to take care of uh or are you gonna go confront like you're gonna confront this guy and possibly have him be violent towards you when you're trying to protect a baby it's just not a smart thing to do you know at the end of the day the baby's more important 
You know, I hate hate to say it, but I like, mean, pri- me personally, priority. man, yeah, I would there's help a, the dog. I don't give a shit about it. Yeah, okay, here's a bit different. <laughs> here's a bit different. Honestly, like, I would help the dog. I mean, like, I can, I get what you're saying, though. I get the comparison. I mean, if I was walking down the street and a homeless guy was beating up uh, a wall. <laughs> but yeah no right. a dog i'm helping the dog that's fucked yeah i'm helping oh, the yeah. dog honestly but like with um i get what you mean though for sure yeah because it's like it's well and the statistics back it up right where it's like you know the bystander thing where like not very many people will inter- will intervene right it's very yeah. rare but i mean it would be different if it was like like if you didn't have something precious you were protecting yeah you know sure. like it's like you had to protect something that can't protect itself. So while you're trying to protect this thing, it's not a smart move to go out and make more enemies. You know, it's like mm-hmm. focus on protecting what you have. So it's like uh, for a lot of people who have concealed carries. Uh, I've I haven't taken the class, but, you know, I've yet. But I've heard like people talk about like in the class, you a lot of people who are actually trained in guns and like law enforcement, and everything don't like the way instructors teach concealed carries. Uh, Cause apparently, you know, this is all coming from a third source. So it's like hearsay on my part. So take it, take it as you will. But uh, a lot of the, like these people would tell me that uh, the instructors would be like, yeah, you see someone like you're at the gas station or, or if you're at a store and someone pulls out a gun, it's your duty to like go and take care of it, you know? And it's like, no, it's no, not completely. Cause it's like, you're, let's say you're at the store and you have like your family with you. Uh, your first priority is getting your family to safety. And, and then, you know, if you want to go back, I guess, but like you or just leave it to the police. Like the gun, the gun is there to protect you and your family. So it's like, if you have something that you're protecting, that can't protect itself, then you should just focus on that and let the you know police deal with the other thing. So it's like, and so, but if the guy like comes near you, obviously you protect your family. So it's kind of like, that's kind of like how I see this situation is that Charlie is being like, it's a cricket, you know, at the end of the day, it's a fucking cricket and you're trying to protect radars more important than making enemies with this crazy cricket stabber. <laughs> so, yeah, another so rumple like, stiltskin. I just can't get that yeah. out of my brain. These right. rumple stiltskins are. Uh-huh. What do you think about the significance of the cricket being like red? And then obviously the uncle even brings up, it's like, oh, a red cricket. That's so rare. And then he like doesn't really elaborate on it. But yeah, when I've I've been thinking, I have no about idea that. what that fucking means. But like, maybe it's supposed to represent that. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I literally have no idea. Right. So like, okay. I know they brought. I guess I only bring it up also just so like I can remember it because maybe it'll come up again later on. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so, like that is odd for sure. That even the so maybe, uncle is like it. That's rare. Yeah. Maybe it's like, like you said earlier, some with the bystander bystander effect so right now i'm just kind of brainstorming and see if we can come up with anything mm-hmm. so like so regardless of what i think charlie did it was definitely noble 
and yeah. is a heroic trait, regardless if I think it was stupid or not. But uh, so I th- it, m- it might be kind of like a comparison to the cricket being rare, but in this world, it's also rare for people to help each other. But maybe, but because it's so cruel, so and all Charlie has been helped along the way, uh, obviously, and then the people he's met also help others in some former way of way too. So that's uh, so I guess there could be a comparison there between people actually going out of their way to help to call out uh, something evil and trying to fight against it because uh, you know like you said a lot of by like the bystander effect a lot of people won't do anything because they'll expect other people to do it mm-hmm. for them so uh so for the cricket being rare to the whole situation of people helping or trying to help is rare maybe there's some something significant there uh maybe just the cricket being a rare cricket uh I don't know. I, I'm like trying to think, and I, there's, there probably is something there. I'm just stupid. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, like... it might be a reference to something, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's good to, yeah, I just kind of called it out just for myself almost so that maybe later on it'll make more sense. Like, I, also with that scene, you know how with Robo Stilskin character guy, mm-hmm. when he was talking to Charlie, he was like, talking about how this land brings nothing but like pain, sorrow and, and boredom and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so this is what he does to entertain himself. Uh, and not only like saying stuff like that, but then he's like, uh, when Charlie asked him why he wasn't, didn't get any deform deformations or whatever from the curse and stuff. And he's, and he's like me, the gods have probably thought that I was cursed enough, you know? So it's like, and then he's just like, "What would you know about being, about being cursed or or whatever?" You're, he's like, "You're tall, built. You're like you're normal. You don't you don't understand what it's like to be someone like me." And you know, so I guess that also has a lot of things pointed through through that little quick conversation. Uh, goes to show that maybe even though the guy was like stabbing a cricket. Charlie could have been more, I guess, a little more thoughtful. I guess, like, because it's it's hard because it's like you see someone doing something fucked up, and like you don't want to treat them nicely, but it's like, do you just pour fire onto a fire to put it out? No. So, I guess it's like one of those things where it's like, could Charlie have handled the situation better? I don't know. Now I'm just kind of rambling. <laughs> but, no. Yeah. There's like a lot to there's like a lot to unpack unpack here yeah. in this in this one little scene. Yeah. No, for sure. What did you do you do you get anything from the conversation in, in general? Because it was pretty obvious that like well, okay. Well, just looking at them both, you got small small man with a knife, and you got big guy with a gun. And and uh Showing that the little little guy, Rumpelstiltskin guy, feels like he's uh, was born unlucky. That's why he wasn't 
that's why he wasn't like cursed or anything. So he's like, he does feel cursed and underappreciated and like the world treats him like shit because he's different. And that's kind of how he turned out this way. And then you have a big normal guy coming to the deformed, the guy who was born deformed comes up to him and starts, you know, bossing around talking shit and all this stuff. And then it's almost like, you don't know what I've been through. Why, who are you to judge me? You don't, you're not even from this world and it's a bug. Who are you to judge? You know? So it's like, right. There's a lot, a lot going on. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you can definitely see how the dwarf guy kind of, why he probably became that way in this weird fairy tale world. And you can obviously see how Charlie was, his experiences and how he grew up it makes him the way he is. So yeah, you can definitely see that comparison. And then obviously, you know, you got two dwarf guys probably going to come back to bite you later on because of these actions that you took. Yeah. With not uh not killing him. Probably should have just killed him. Probably should have but, but wonder how it would change yeah. Charlie's character. Yeah, he's not going to obviously cuz yeah. Uh, okay. Perfect. Basically. I th- I think he'll I think he'll kill the uh uh I mean I think I'm gonna predict now I think he's gonna shoot the main bad guy yeah at the end uh, whoever it is and he's gonna kill him because it's like well what's like there's like there's people some people are you could say are beyond saving like have just been so so like the, like a threat is so evil and so malicious that nothing you could do besides destroying them would stop it. So, uh, cause like there's like some, some enemies you could bring back, I guess to the light, I get, but you know, but there's some enemies that won't gotta shoot them. Like no matter what you do, you, you know? So it's like, I think, we're gonna be learning that like charlie's been able to scare off every bad guy so far just by either breaking their wrist pointing a gun at him uh but i know there's gonna at one point he's gonna meet an enemy to where that's not gonna phase him like you're gonna have to you're gonna have to do it and so we'll see what happens when charlie gets to that point yeah definitely. if he does it's gonna become more real pretty soon here yeah, I really want to get to the sundial and see what. I know when we get to this what, palace. What that's that's almost like the the other transition. You know, you had Howard die, and then once we get to the palace and the sundial, it's going to be a whole other, whole other thing. And obviously, he's going to get stuck there, like at, or something. Like we're going to see the night soldiers. Like there's no way we're not going to at least see them. You know. Yeah, because everybody's like, "Don't get caught there at night. Don't <laughs> do it." And then, like, obviously, he's gonna have to be—he's gonna get stuck there somehow. Yeah, obviously, so, yeah. you know. But um, well, uh, yeah, I don't I'm know. Stephen King, Stephen King's not very predictable. It's true. Sometimes that's true. So, but also, this book is following a fairy tale, like it's a uh, kind of uh, pattern. Mm-hmm. So he might, he, he might, he probably will. Yeah, he probably will be out there in the dark yeah, and have we'll to see. fight his way through it. What a, 
what was your biggest takeaway from this section? Um, I felt like, I think your comparison there was really apt. And like what you talked about earlier, like the f more of the focus on the dog, right? Rather than Charlie itself, even though it seemed obviously Charlie's telling it from his first person view, the, as the story gets further along, it really is more about radar at the end of the day. And it's more about that character. And then also, like you said, I think, if you know, if we're gonna go off of what is more believable, I guess you know him trying to redeem himself is ultimately also why he's trying to do this, and also trying to make up for the fact that he couldn't control anything about his mom's death, and now he's trying to make up with it with the saving radar. But you know, we've we've seen stories like this, and again, it's a fairy tale, of course. We've seen stories like this, so there's always going to be a price, right? And, then, and things yeah. aren't going to go exactly the way they're supposed to. And yeah, I'm just I'm excited to see what happens. How about yourself? I think uh, I guess my biggest takeaway of, of this section so far is uh, what is what is the price or what is your the sacrifice you'll make in order to keep living. Yeah. So. Because we get that from like the gray people, uh, they're obviously dying super slowly, and they like seem to have lost all hope. Most of them, uh, like I'd say, ninety nine percent of them, but yeah. they still continue to live. Right. So I think that that says something monumental about the will to live, as well as these other people. Like everyone has a deformity, yet they instead of dying and giving up they still continue to live and i so i think uh hope really has a a big a big part of this section as well because or what why else like at this point hope would be the only thing that would keep you going you know yeah so. no for sure so i guess that's uh that's what i thought of yeah but i don't know i'm retarded so <laughs> <laughs> Call me Shimmy. So, uh, yeah. uh, do you want to do you want to do a quick little kind of spo spoiler section for like yeah. other books? Yeah, other books, real quick. Some comparisons, some contrast, just to kind of spice it up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, we'll give everybody a warning here. We're going to talk about mm -hmm. other like Stephen King books and how it kind of compare and contrast to this story. So, this is your warning. Yep. Ten, nine, eight. Seven, seven six five four six. three two one yeah, yeah we're good <laughs> yeah fuck them no nah, i mean the, right. the first thing that comes to mind with me is um like the the world moving on in like the dark tower like it's kind of the yeah. same energy yeah. right yes yes yeah. <laughs> and he's going yeah, to a, a palace good. you know basically <laughs> the dark tower is that so... a dark tower reference yeah <laughs> <laughs> There's a ton of Dark Tower references in this. Dude. Obviously, every time he touches the gun, I'm not a I'm not a gunslinger, but uh, I'm not. Yeah, right. I know, was like, yeah. I wonder what Roland's up to. Roland right? would have shot both those motherfucking <laughs> Rumble oh, Stilskin yeah. guys. No oh, hesitation. Yeah. He would. It would have been. He would have immediately, immediately shot. <laughs> he wouldn't even have talked to them. He would have just shot him <laughs> in the head, and that'd be it. That's so funny. <laughs> like the guy, the one who like, if Roland saw someone stabbing a cricket, he probably wouldn't even have gave a shit. He would have just kept probably walking. Not. He probably wouldn't have, but the first the first guy he would have killed no problem. Yeah, he would have shot him like, immediately. Is 
it was so funny and you know uh i can't so like the gray people i know there was great like gray people mentioned it in dark tower yes yes and everything yes yeah exactly so yeah it's very similar to to mid-world moving on yeah i was and then the whole time is because you know how like cause the wheel and like dark tower at the end of dark tower uh they Mm -hmm. uh it's just rolling repeating the cycle so like everything gets like reset absolutely so so the worlds are always moving on and you know that's kind of like another thing with what I guess reading is like once you finish a book, you can always reread it from the start to finish, and it's the same thing. Like it, the world is moving on as you're reading it, and then resets once you finish it. Yep, it's kind kind of like a dark tower because the whole adventure Roland goes through, and that's the world moving on as you're reading through the series, and then at the end, he gets sucked into the door and sent back to the beginning of his journey which is you know you finish the book so if you start it over again that it would be the world moving on again you know how it's like a cycle right yeah so that's uh what this world is reminding me of is midworld and uh absolutely no it's definitely very similar vibe it's just condensed though you know yeah it's condensed it's not as much detail and length as Dark Tower is. And obviously Charlie's a way different character. He's way more morally, oh, yeah. you know, sound. Um, yeah. And like, yeah, I mean, the gray people definitely remind me of, of, you know, people moving on. And obviously like the Dark Tower is all about like, again, stories, like you said, and how stories end and begin and how stories are written. And this is similar too, of course, you know, we're going through, the hero's journey from a pretty, you know, typical perspective, like with a fairy tale theme, all of it is kind of surrounding that, but it has its own Stephen King flair. So, yeah, but that's kind of how I felt with dark tower too, is like, all right, this is a long fantasy series. It's kind of similar, at least in the beginning to like other fantasy series is of similar length, but it's Stephen King's own like take on it. So, yeah. Yeah. And the whole time, I just I keep comparing Charlie to Jake. Yeah, definitely. Jake is so much right. younger than Charlie. Yes. And true. and I'm like, Jake wouldn't have fucking hesitated either. I'm like, Jake's a badass. So it's like, uh, and I, you know, I just to be honest, you know, I just like Jake Jake Chambers a lot better than Charlie. Oh uh, yeah, no, he's but, but well, we like went, you said, we were there for Jake seven books. Yeah, so. shit. So, like, yeah, like you said, yes. it's very glossed over in this book, which I understand that's not the focus of this book, right? The focus is not necessarily, you know, Charlie and his struggles. It's more, like, on the world, on radar, on, like, the fairy tale aspect, you know? Yeah, so. You got you got Charlie and Radar, and then you got, like, Jake and Oi. Yeah, and so absolutely. Like, that's, that's why I keep, uh, I keep getting the callbacks. Like, I love Radar, but Oi's my boy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, uh now I want a dog. I know, right? No. Just yeah, kidding. I have like died. fifty. Yeah, you got a million fucking dogs. No, I f- I feel the energy for sure. <laughs> anytime, anytime, like, you know, especially when it gets like fucking emotional. Whenever when Charlie's like, I'll do anything to like fucking help this dog. I'm like, honestly, I'd probably do this shit too. Right. 
Cause like I would, yeah, I'd, I'd probably do this for Lexi. Yeah, I think most I mean, people would for yeah, year. their dogs, just cause you know, you just get attached. Yeah, every time he describes like her uh, being old, I'm just like, oh, that's exactly what I, my dog looks like. Yeah, it's like him again. Yeah. So it's like, uh, what other uh, Stephen King references did think... I feel like in here? See, I was wrong about the thinny. Like, I thought it was a thinny. I thought that was an shed. awesome guess, though. Like, if, yeah. if he was really trying to, like, stick to his kind of, you know, meta and his universe and shit, I think he would have made it a thinny. But for the context of this book, it makes sense to, like, really fit the fairy tale. And obviously, he compares it to Jack and the Beanstalk. So, you know, yeah. it makes sense. But I thought that was a great guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was described just yeah, like no, absolutely. It Same, just like it. Similar sound. Similar sound. So but do you do you think so I definitely feel like he did go through a thinny to get to this land because there's literally no other way. Yeah, or, I mean he like still like ways. passes a threshold, you know, um, and then he, yeah. you know, he can feel it when he passes that threshold. So yeah, you could still oh. kind of even compare it to Well, I guess that. it wasn't a thinny then. Because well, I mean, the, door, the doorways, the doorways aren't aren't thinnies, and you can travel through worlds between the doorways. I mean, you never know like how he meant it to be interpreted until you like literally ask him. But obviously, you know, maybe he meant for people who've read the Dark Tower or other books that have thinnies to be like, oh, this is probably going to be a thinny. Obviously, it's not going to be a thinny, but he still makes it seem like it's going to be as like a little yeah. Easter egg to like remind you of like you know other books. Yeah, do you think Charlie went toe dash when he when they were talking about like his body kind of feels like it's leaving his it's body? Definitely like leaving his body. Definitely a similar. Dis- yeah, definitely similar uh, description. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's <clears throat> um yeah ultimately what happened there. Yeah, because that's because that's kind of like how I feel like some of the times like when. Roland and uh, some of the, and everyone else <clears throat> sometimes traveled in the later books was through Toe Dash is how they traveled through different worlds. Yeah, and e- even when like Callahan when he uh, jumped out of that building and his in his flashback to get away from the vampires and right. Randall Flag when he like fell to his death he didn't die he just kind of like teleported uh-huh. and if and if that feel like that was just another kind of Toe Dash state too so it's like i feel like charlie went kind of toe dash through a doorway that led them to this world so i mean i don't know if that's right but that's i'm sticking to that until i'm told differently yeah no i could see it for sure and then uh there are some people in this area that read minds mm-hmm. a little bit so like when when he was when Charlie was taught like thinking about leaving and that maid was like stay you need to stay and help her and it's like was she reading his mind was that the touch Did she have the touch right the exactly shining? the shining yeah right. um, <clears throat> so it's just like little little things like that that get me could get me thinking about his other the about everything because like obviously dark tower literally ex- explains everything that has to do with how the universe operates so it's like when i see stuff like, like something like that which you could also just interpret as like 
Char Charlie's just thinking to himself, and then this rant, this lady is just like, "Please help her," you know. But then it's like, once you read the other stuff, it's like, can she read his mind and like knew he wanted to leave, so she was like, "Stay." But since Charlie doesn't know what the touch is or the shining, he's just like, "Oh, what a coincidence," you know. So it's like, yeah, no, it makes it who fun. knows. For sure. Yeah, it makes it, it makes it really fun. Yeah. Uh, is there a, any anything else you'd want to spoiler wise, I guess, talk about? I don't think I have anything else. Like, yeah, I think okay. I don't. I think we covered everything that I that I noticed at least. The, the cricket is a reference to book four, <laughs> Wizard in Class. Bro, maybe that is why they fucking called it out being red. Maybe there's another book he wrote where there's a red cricket. I don't know. Uh, the the yeah. Crimson King. Crimson King. He's true. True. He's red. Uh, he and he's rare. Yeah. What else? Red. Red rum. That's a shining reference. Okay. There you uh, go. It spells murder backwards. Good point. Yeah. Um. It's a lot of stuff that has to do with red. Uh, Mordred. His. Yeah. Wait, was his eyes red? I know they're like blue when he's a human. I know he had like red on him when he was a spider. Yeah. Where's Randall Flag? Bring him back. I want right. to see him in. Could be the flight he'd... killer. We'll see. Yeah, he'd fuck Charlie up. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, like I'm being honest. Like Charlie is not. He is not the kind of guy. A, a, like I know he. Okay, I know it seems like he's like main hero, like heroic badass guy. But he's way too ignorant to take on Randall Flag. So. Yeah, no, I mean it's very much like a fairy tale. Um, again, you know, it's very much like a fairy tale, and it, it's just like a fun read for that reason. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you don't need to fucking you know remake the wheel. You don't need to make it you know crazy different. Like I'm having a lot of fun with this. You know. Yeah, it's just so. it's just a Stephen King kind of take on a light-hearted fairy tale. So there's yeah. some dark stuff, but some, it, it honestly hasn't been that bad. It's like a perfect... So, I mean, we'll see once we're done with the book, at least so far. It's like a perfect book to, like, almost introduce someone to Stephen King. Like, if maybe they have preconceived notions about his writing, and they're like, I don't want to read it because of A, B, or C. Like, I feel like this is a good book to start with. Yeah, because it's got a little bit of dark themes, but it's also just like really fun. Yeah, so. like so far, like I would probably like you could give this book to like a preteen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you could know. give it to any age group for sure. Which almost like well, maybe could, not any age group, but like well, not any, almost any. I mean, yeah, I like, like honestly, like 13, 14, Yeah, like you I'd could. Say. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not gonna give it to like a five year old, but yeah, like oh, even even yeah. like a, a middle schooler. But like, it's it's almost Stephen King coming full circle, where it he's gotten to a point where he's so I don't know, he's older now, and he's obviously a really good writer, and this is just like I don't know, it's just showing off like he can write like a really good story that that can be digestible by most audiences at least so far yeah as well so i mean it doesn't so, have so, to be a fucking you know super <laughs> scary or like bloodbath or like anything like that it can yeah just it's just like a this. simple story yeah and it's still a lot of fun so yeah so so far i still like 
the wind through the keyhole story better than this. Uh, I don't I don't know if that's just because I had such a hype for the Dark Tower at the time of reading it, mm-hmm. but that like the wind through the keyhole kept me extremely interested like every every second and, and i'm just talking about the went to the keyhole story not the rest of the book and yeah in this, the, in this discussion skin man stuff yeah yeah and like not all that just just the fairy tale the went to the keyhole yes uh kept me like i would say i was a whole lot more engaged in that story than i am in this story and i'm not saying that i don't like this story because i do like this story as well but i'm just comparing it to other stuff we've written we've read i meant from stephen king and uh i don't know i guess maybe it's just because the the mid-world type aspects of that fairy tale and it was a lot darker and gruesome that's kind of like i i like the darker aspects of it and so far this has been pretty light-hearted for mm-hmm. the most part which mm-hmm. i still like i just don't like as much you know so yeah, which is yeah. interesting so far i guess we'll see once they get to the sundial because you know who knows it may we we still haven't gotten a very interesting uh penis description yet from stephen king so <laughs> i'm still i'm still waiting yeah. on, on when it's gonna show up yes or it, you know i'm honestly like glad it hasn't because I was almost like, <laughs> this guy cannot keep writing like this his entire life. Like, I feel like there's going to get to a point where he's going to get old enough and he's going to be like, this kind of book. Where he's like, I'm just going to write a fairy tale ass book. It's going to have a little bit of dark themes in it, but it's going to be a really fun read and it doesn't have to have all that other weird shit for it to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost like it's more impressive to me that he's writing a book like this rather than just writing another book that we're used to. Right. Yeah. It's a different way of writing and he's not leaning on the shock factor of something being really gruesome or fucking weird, you know? Yeah. To make it I interesting. Do, yeah. So, I do like that. I like that. I, but well. I agree with you. I like the Wind Through the Keyhole book or story a little better. But also the Wind Through the Keyhole story, like, you know, it's bang, you know, it's that's an absolute bang. Heavy hitting and it's shorter, obviously, so there's not as much like detail, it's just like this, 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 you know. So Yeah. But both are great. Both are great. But yeah, I like the Wind Through the Keyhole one a little better so far. But we'll see, man. We'll see. Yeah. When we get to this palace, I'm excited. Oh. Yeah, guess guess we'll guess we'll see. Yeah. I mean, how much more of the books do we do do we even have? Because it isn't a very long book. No, I only got ten hours long. left. Yeah, it's not very long. Let's see, it has thirty-two chapter. Oh, but thirty-two chapters, but most of them are like. I guess some of most of them are, are uh, good sizes. I'm gonna do like seventeen to how many hours do you wanna do? Let's see here. So we just read fifteen. Right. Yeah. Now we're on sixteen. I mean we've been going about like five or six. I think that's fairly good pace. For me right now. Uh, what is this out here? Ten forty six. If I got like 
Oh, go to like, like showers left. Yeah, that's then maybe do like five hours, five, six hours. You want to go to 23? Oh, yeah, that's that seems like a good chunk, and then we could finish the book. Yeah, then we could probably just finish it. Yeah, 23 sounds good to me. Okay. Because cool. you don't don't want to do, don't want to do too much because we actually want to talk about things, you know. And if, yeah. we, if there's too much to talk about, then we'll end up missing stuff. Yeah, I think we can do twenty three and then probably yeah finish the book after that. Cool. All that right. Cool. Well. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you later. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. No, you're, <laughs> we know no one's listening to this part. Don't give a fuck part. about this shit. Yeah, fuck, 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 fuck.